0: Welcome to the Grow Podcast. I'm Christy McSweeney, and if you run a business or are thinking of taking the leap, this podcast is for you. I'll be interviewing special guests who run small businesses to large corporations. Each episode will include practical tips and advice to help your business thrive in this changing environment, relayed to you by people who have done it are doing it, and some who have even done it multiple times. Proudly presented to you by Census, Australia's number one supporter of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome to the Grow Podcast. Today, I will be chatting with two guests about something that is becoming more and more important in Australian workplaces, pets and the ability to bring your pet to work. According to Animal Medicines Australia, Australia has one of the highest rates of pet ownership in the developed world. Almost 90% of pet owners say their pets have a very positive impact on their lives with key benefits including love, affection and companionship. Around 40% of Australian households have at least one dog and 27% have a cat. That is a lot of pets out there that people may want to bring to work. During COVID, there has been a significant increase in people getting pets for company. One of the concerns with this increase is what happens to the pets when eventually the owners go back to work? Maybe a solution is to have more pet-friendly workplaces in Australia. My guests today have both welcomed dogs into their workplace. Dr. Louise Shaper is the Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Institute of Digital Health and Anna O'Day is owner and founder of Agency Iceberg Recruitment and Leading Ladies. Agency Iceberg was a finalist in the Optus My Business Awards Workplace of the Year category in 2016. Anna and Louise, welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So great to have you both here. I'm a doggo to myself and I work in my own business, so I have the ability to bring my dog to work, but not everybody has that ability to be self-employed and make those decisions themselves. Louise, I'll start with you. Do you think that staff morale increased with your staff when you said, we're a pet-friendly workplace and you can bring your dogs to work?
1: Absolutely. It definitely did. And when I got the job, actually, I met with the staff a couple of days before I started. And I said, look, there's going to be some significant changes when I start. And I saw everyone's face go, oh, what is she talking about? And I said, so basically, it's going to be a dog friendly workplace. And everyone just cracked up laughing and was like, oh, my God, that'll be amazing. Anna, to you, you've got a really, really successful
0: recruitment agency in Melbourne that recruits for the media industry. Now, the media industry is perhaps ahead of many other sectors in Australia in terms of being very flexible, um, a lot of creative workers, and many people in the industry, it seems, have dogs. Every agency I go to
2: There's a dog running around.
0: Is it really, really important to your sector to be pet friendly?
2: It's so important. And I think as well, if you want to attract the best talent, you have to be flexible. And, you know, pre COVID, there just wasn't a client visit that I went to where I didn't walk in and there were dogs greeting me when I walked in. So if you're not flexible, it's not just about having, you know, a fruit bowl anymore for your staff. It's about having that flexibility, bringing your dog to work so that You know, people aren't stressing about working late and having anxiety about their dogs being at home. And also, you know, these guys create happiness in the workplace. And, you know, if you're having a bad day, there's nothing better than, you know, giving them a cuddle or being able to take them for a walk and just being able to de stress and come back and just kind of start again. So it's actually promoting happier people in the workplace. And I think, particularly in the industry that I recruit, there's so many benefits to that because it is a really highly stressful industry to work in you know, there's high burnout rates, particularly for, you know, people coming up the ranks these days. The pressure is insane. So yeah, I think there's loads and loads of benefits.
0: And I see your beautiful dash Mr. Marlowe there yes. is with is us Haya? today. So he's well and truly part of your workplace this morning, filming this podcast. Let's talk logistics with both of you at the moment. Now you're both the boss of your workplace What sort of logistical issues have you gone through with people saying, I want to bring my pet to work? You may have more than one pet there at a time. Do you have to allocate special space within the office or a roster system? What are some of your logistical issues that you've had to work through to really bed down this policy in your office, Anna?
2: So, I think first of all, you have to check insurance-wise if you're allowed to actually bring pets into the workplace because they do damage property and they can actually bite other staff members. Re-staff members, some people might not actually want to have dogs in the workplace. So, if you are going to invite dogs into the workplace, A, check that everyone's okay with having dogs in the workplace and if they're not, let's have some zones where, okay, dogs are allowed here but they're not allowed in these zones. You have to cater for every single person that is or isn't okay with having dogs there.
0: And Louise, you've got an interesting tale, I believe, about when you had to renegotiate your commercial lease for your premises after you had become a dog-friendly or a pet-friendly workplace, which is your logistical issue from day one that you had to face,
1: I suppose. Could you tell us a little bit about how you negotiated with your leaseholder? So, we were relocating. We needed bigger premises. Finally found the property that we were needing that was in our budget. All of that looked good. Rocked up to the realtor that day to sign the lease. Everything had already been negotiated and thought, well, this is the first time I've ever signed a lease agreement. I better read every single clause. So, I read every single clause and there was a clause there that said no pets and I was horrified and I asked for clarification and they said, no, no, absolutely no pets. You can't even bring a fishbowl. And I said, well, then I'm leaving. And they're like, what do you mean you're leaving? And I said, that's a deal breaker. That was never raised. There is no way we're going to take this property. And the realtor was like, are you kidding? And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. And so they got the owner of the property on the phone and they agreed that we could have a dog-friendly workplace. It is something that you need to consider from day one. And I, I didn't realize it would be an issue it's getting more and more common for particularly
0: smaller offices to ask for pet-friendly exemptions to commercial leases. Anna, back to your industry, you work in recruitment, obviously. You're very aware of the changing nature of attraction and retention of staff and how COVID is going to change that. How do you think the ability to bring your pet to work might be a bit of a deal breaker in retention and attraction of staff post-COVID now that we know the stats are there that lots of people uh, have puppies uh, to help them get through this lockdown
2: in Melbourne. I mean, it will be a deal breaker, like put simply. You know, my opinion, it's become a talent market now. So, talent will be able to pick and choose the jobs that they want to take. It eventually will become that way. And if the employer says, look, you can't bring your COVID puppy to work, they will simply just say, thanks, but no, thanks. I'll find an employer that will allow me to do it. You know, we're all very anxious. I can understand that people will want to have their pets next to them when they go into the workplace because it actually is going to be scary going back into work, going back into the city, having people around you. They are going to want to have their pets next to them. So it actually will 100% be a deal breaker if employers aren't going to be flexible because the talent will have the choice.
0: And just on that point as well, how do you think people should approach their employers to say, look, I've got a pet now they're particularly assisting me with my mental health and my transition back into the workplace as we come out of this experience. How do people present that to their employers?
2: Say exactly that. You have to be honest and say, look, bringing a dog is going to help me do my work better. I'm going to be less anxious. I'm going to be happier. It's going, you know, And also having dogs in the workplace, for me, I feel that I'm going to be able to have better conversations with people because I am going to be less anxious and I'm going to be able to get my work done. And, you know, if I have to stay late, I'm going to feel less anxious about having, you know, the puppy at home because I'm not going to be worried that, you know, he's going to have separation anxiety issues. And if I was the the employer, I'd think, okay, there's going to be people coming back to work potentially with COVID puppies, as we call them, and, you know, allocate like a pet committee member and get someone to actually, you know, say, okay, pets can come in on these days and any problems with it, you know, the pets coming into the workplace, bring them to me and kind of then just go back to the managing director and you can kind of talk between each other about what's happening. Allocate a pet committee member. Pets in the workplace are just going to be the new normal.
0: I think you are absolutely correct. Louise, as part of your job, you travel a lot internationally and attend a lot of international conferences around digital health. So you've talked to people in your industry across the world about how they may deal with this issue of people wanting to bring pets into the workplace. What are some of your conversations that you might have had with your international counterparts about this issue?
1: Similar to what Anna said, I completely agree. It's, it hasn't been as widespread as I would expect, to be honest, that it is going to increasingly grow. And I've certainly seen that internationally as well. When I'm in California, there are more offices I go to there that have dogs roaming around than actually uh, than I've seen in Australia. So it is taking off. The logistical issues are really important though. So then there became a time where there were puppies. And I did think, oh, okay, how are we going to puppies aren't toilet trained. (laughs) So that was a new logistical issue for us to deal with. So we put new rules around, uh, around where the dogs were allowed to be and they had to keep quite close to their owners. But, you know, having puppies in the workplace generated this other phenomenon that I hadn't seen with the mature dogs, heaps more playful playing. So, you know, I'd go out to meet a guest at reception. And I would, as I'm walking out there, I would see that one of my staff members is like crouching on the floor, hiding behind his desk. (laughs) And I was like, what's he doing? And I realized he was playing hide and seek with one of the puppies. And it was like, so great to see. And with the puppies in the workplace, there became this much more fun and playful environment. And people were, would want to because the dogs had to be taken out more frequently to toilet so people would actually volunteer and say can i please oh what has she already gone maybe she needs to go again can i take <laughs> her for <on> a <the> walk <laughs> you know so it was it was really lovely having the puppies there too so it's turned into something that people
0: potentially were fearful of and didn't know how to deal with to something where people were fighting and having a competition over who could walk the dog and who could take the dog out to the toilet which is great and increasing collaboration and giving people that topic to huddle around the water cooler, as we like to say, in office environments and talk about it. Anna, how have you seen the ability to have dogs in the workplace increase
2: collaboration? Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely helped with collaboration, but it's also preventing burnout, like just on what you've just said about, you know, people wanting to take them out for walks. I know that when my staff are in the office, the amount of times that they don't take lunch breaks, like they can come in at, you know, 8, 8.30 in the morning and some of them stay till 7 o'clock at night just to get deals over the line. And some of them will literally not have lunch breaks. So when they actually have their dog here, they know that every two, three hours, they have to actually take out their dog. So I actually think, A, it's promoting them to kind of get up, get outside and get some physical exercise, but also prevent this kind of burnout that happens in our industry as recruiters. Like the average age of burnout for a recruiter is actually 28, which is terrible. So bringing dogs into the workplace for me is just the best way to prevent my girls from burning out.
0: And we know that pets generally uh, improve our mental health significantly. And so there's that added benefit of being able to get out and about for exercise in intermittent periods. As we know, doing exercise during the day does improve our mental health. But general mental health benefits of having a pet that's nearby you has been well proven. And as you say, when people are thinking about wanting to bring their pet to work, which is perhaps not done in their workplace, that is an issue that, that they can raise as something that's not a benefit just to them, but to the whole workplace. Louise, what sort of mental health benefits have you seen among your staff just from having pets around?
1: It really has been really quite significant. Like so we had, uh, you know, someone who had a family member die and, you know, obviously had grieving leave. But when they came back to work, I don't know, there was more empathy. And, and for that person as well, they would spend even more time with the dog. So it actually helped people deal with personal problems as well and I would say also that we, so in my organization, we don't generally deal with members of the public, but we have, we're a member organization. So we often host meetings and events. And so people come in and we found once with the dogs, especially when we had multiple people would, oh, I was in the neighborhood and I thought I would come in early. And all of a sudden people would arrive early for meetings and for workshops so that they could sit on the floor. <laughs> I'd like, you know, professional people. It was we, re- I never expected that and people would love the dogs and you know we had and in the end we had you know some one especially when my dog was getting a bit older and she couldn't see very well so you know dogs sort of run into things and stuff like that Mm. people were so empathetic to her and I still remember an event we held there was like 50 people sitting around and that people like she was on everyone's laps and then she'd be on the floor and then I'd be saying to people don't feed her (laughs) like she's gonna get you know People just really engage and so it actually helped with that sense of community as well. That's absolutely great because people
0: I think really need to embrace more play in their workplace and more collaboration that's light touch rather than always being super serious and a pet certainly facilitates people being able to do that and perhaps we all see the best of our colleagues when there's a little puppy running around that people can engage and it might change the opinion of some people in our workplace that we don't quite warm to when we see them with a, engaging with a pet. I want to talk about, you did touch on it a little bit about setting up workplace policies, but I want to ask you both about human resources and how you do negotiate the things like pet leave or when there's one person who really doesn't want a dog in the organization. A lot of those HR issues around complaints. Anna, you mentioned you did have an incident where one of the dogs actually bit one of the staff members. How do you tackle those HR issues? And I'll go to you first, Louise, around your experience. As you said, you became a new CEO and you said from day one that you wanted to be a pet-friendly workplace. And of course, that came obviously, with rewriting the human resources policy of your organisation. How did you manage that transition?
1: Yeah, it wasn't as hard as you'd expect, really. We didn't have to think of every single scenario that might happen and write a policy about it. We just applied the same level of be honest common sense that you'd apply to having humans in the workplace so a few instances though as some examples so there was we did one with one of the new dogs that came there were some issues uh you know to be honest they, the dog wasn't being uh, trained properly and I was like oh and I did I rang my HR person to go how do I deal with this because I know it's mm. a no-no you can't tell people how to parent <laughs> that's always that's never a vote-winning strategy So I was like, how do I deal with that? Because that's what's going on. One of the things that we did there was uh, I actually hired a doggy psychologist. It was really no big deal. And I had a puppy in the office as well. So I said, oh, I've got some, and my dog had some anxiety issues. So I said, oh, I'm going to hire someone to come in for an hour and talk to me about anxiety with my dog and what I could do. And Why don't you spend some time with her as well? And then I'd sort of briefed the the doggy psychologist. And so some of those issues were able to be resolved just by me spending like so small amount of money for an hour of someone's time. And it also showed the staff just how seriously we take the commitment. Hmm. That's one example another example is when my dog died and she was the first dog that had died and I had to come back to work <laughs> after one day off it was crazy and I was so sad because of that I said okay from now on you know the, all the the official days that you get as bereavement leave carers leave personal leave all of that stuff it applies we don't have a pet leave it just applies like if you need time off to take uh, your kids to the hospital or you need time to take your pet to the hospital the vet you know same deal the same rules Mm -hmm. apply so we sort of we've built up policies as we've gone along when new circumstances have arisen.
0: Anna that's something that you subscribe to when you set up your company talk to us a little bit about some of your HR challenges and I'm particularly interested in how you resolved your incident with one of the dogs perhaps getting a bit too playful with one of the staff members.
2: So, two dogs that got a bit too playful with each other and they ended up, you know, getting really aggressive with each other and I went in and one of my other staff members at the time, we just had to pull them apart, and she ended up getting a bite on her thumb. You know, she said, "You yeah, know, I'm fine, I'm fine." And I said, "Look, you just need to go and get, you know, yourself checked at the doctor, just so that I know that you're okay." I outsourced my HR to EmployShore, and I called them up, and they said, "Look, you just—it's a health and safety issue. You just need to go and get it checked." She went to the GP, and you know, you have to call ahead and actually tell them what's happened, so it's all signed off, and they just kind of look at it and they make sure that they don't need a tetanus shot or anything like that. And then they actually um, have to go back a couple of days later and just make sure that there's no infection or anything. I mean, it was only a small bite. Looking back after that happened, I just, you know, I said, look, these two dogs just can't be in the office. Like they're both the same age. They're both alpha dogs. We just have to kind of have a bit of a roster system like, and just be adults about it. And again, that's why it's really great to kind of have a pet committee member where, you know, if the other girls in the office weren't comfortable about it, they could actually go to them and say, look, The dog's fighting in the office, I'm not okay with it. We need to sort it out. It's distracting me from my work. That's so it's good to actually have a designated person in the office where people can actually go to, you know, confidentially and have a chat to. And I think, you know, if that happens in someone else's workplace, you have to kind of take those things seriously because I was really lucky that she was so great about it. But, you know, other people could potentially take advantage of a dog bite and think, I'm gonna sue my employer and potentially see what, you know, I can get out of them. Like I was really lucky. So you've been able
0: to resolve that issue with little stress and no additional cost because you are quite a small workplace. Yes. And a quite a close-knit team. But yep. of course, to both of you, you deal on a regular basis with really large corporations that have huge HR units and perhaps very, very strict policies that are there for people's protection uh, that may not be so inclined uh, to have a pet flexible workplace. Do you see in the future in the Australian workplace that some of those larger corporates that you both deal with uh, may have to bend and be a little
2: bit more flexible? I think with the larger ones, I, I don't see it happening, unfortunately. I think with the smaller boutique creative advertising marketing agencies, they're going to be pet friendly. I can just, it, it, it's just how it is. The large uh, corporates that I work with, I can't see them being pet friendly. They just, they find it unprofessional, but also there's too much red tape. There's too much legalities. Like imagine a dog bite happening at PwC. Mm. Like it would be across, you know, it'd be in the papers. Hopefully,
0: we'll come to a time where perhaps some of that red tape is relaxed as a lot of our bigger corporates adapt to flexible workplaces and people working from home more days a week than they do in the office. We've spoken a little bit about how people might be a little bit scared to raise the issue of bringing their pet to work, particularly in this post-COVID transition period we're about to go through. What is your fundamental advice that people should do to really make sure they're prepared to go to their boss with a really solid argument as to why they should be able to have a bit more flexibility in the workplace with bringing their pet along?
2: go to your boss and just be really honest about the fact that you feel it's going to, you know, make you happy in in the workplace. It's going to lower your anxiety levels. We're all feeling a little bit anxious coming out of COVID. I know that I was feeling anxious, but also... Have tangible kind of reasoning with you. Bring along some evidence and say, "Look, you know, can we get a pet committee member? Like, I'll volunteer and be that pet committee member, and so that if there are any issues and people are unhappy, they can come to me and I'll relay that feedback to you. You know, we can establish pet-free zones in the workplace. So, like, the kitchen will be off limits for pets, and you can actually go through like and have kind of like a blue paper and kind of you know set everything out in stone where there's actually zones. Like, really think this through so that you can actually have like." tangible evidence to bring to your boss. Start with like two days a week and say, we can start with like Thursday, Fridays with pets in the office and then kind of, you know, go from there. Like maybe don't start with like five days a week with pets in the office, but start with like two and then work it up and see how you go. So it doesn't like frighten him or her, your boss. You've got lots of great ideas there, Anna. And I would say generally, it's always a career limiting
1: move to bring your boss a problem. You know, don't do that. Bring your boss solutions and make their life easy, right? You know, I would do your research and basically bring your boss a business case. See if there are other people on staff that might want to do the same. So it's not just you. So then you've got a bit of a coalition around you. And something else, especially like what we did with the puppies as well, was because their behavior is less predictable. We just had strict areas where the dogs were at first while everyone was getting used to it and the dogs were getting used to it it was basically like if you have your own office put a baby gate so the the dog can't leave your office if you're an open plan then the dog can be on a leash not a tight one but a leash where basically and they've got the bed or the cushion underneath your desk so they're still remaining closed they're not sort of free to wander after that then we increased to actually having sort of play times, the staff would throw balls to the dog and, and that sort of stuff. So we worked it up and then even the neighbours who were concerned originally, our, our, who ended up being our landlords as well, they would come and visit us for the dog playtime. So I think if you sort of, you know, start small, work out all of the things that, were, you know, some of the key things that your boss might have concerns on and actually address them up front uh, and, you know, and suggest it as a pilot or a trial uh, as well. So then it just takes some of the scariness out of it.
0: Now, Louise, it doesn't matter sometimes how flexible we are in our own workplaces, as Anna and yourself have demonstrated, you've gone to a lot of effort to make sure you've bettered down policies that accommodate everybody. But, of course, in your role, you run a lot of conferences and you attend a lot of conferences, and it must be pretty difficult to be a very pet-friendly workplace but then have to deal with other organisations that are perhaps less flexible in how they address their workplace. What sort of challenges have you encountered in that sense?
1: I had this most amazing experience. I attended a conference at Stanford University in California and the owner of the conference or the person who was running it had his dog as the conference mascot. So when you registered and got your name tag, the dog was sitting in a box on the name tag registration desk. So from day one, the instant you walk in, everyone's like, oh, my God, how cute. And everyone wants to touch the dog and play with the dog. And so they straight away everyone knew that the dog was a part of the event. And they were really clever. So at a conference, everyone wants the keynote speaker's time. Everyone wants to you know, ask them questions, spend time with them, pitch an idea to the important people, those sorts of things. And to take advantage of that, this conference actually had walk the dog time with the keynote. So at lunchtime, the keynote would have the, the conference mascot puppy on a leash and would go walking around the conference grounds and people could sign up to go on that walk. But it was a great opportunity for people to stretch stretch their legs, get outside, all of those mental health and physical health benefits associated with that. Spend time with the dog, but also sneakily get to spend time with the keynote speaker and introduce yourself and those sorts of things. So I wanted to bring that idea back to Australia, and I've had a zero success rate at that uh, because uh, none of the conference venues we've ever used would entertain a suggestion like that at all. So I haven't won that battle yet. I've still got a, still got a ways to go.
0: Thank you, Anna O'Day, founder of Agency Iceberg Recruitment and Dr Louise Shaper, CEO of Australian Institute of Digital Health. Thank you so much for chatting to us today about some of the challenges and benefits of establishing a company with a pet-friendly workplace. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you again and I hope we get some great feedback on this really interesting episode. Thanks for listening to The Grow Podcast. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Census, Australia's number one supporter of small and medium-sized businesses.